0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and I sometimes... Book these episodes uh, weeks in advance, and I reached out to uh, Jesse Roach, uh, because he's great at this stuff, and uh, Chris Clegg and and Eric Cross. I know they've got uh, some ventures that they're sort of starting up. I wanted to give them an opportunity to kind of talk about those. Uh, But they had basically planned the exact podcast that I wanted to do, uh, a first-year player mock draft. And so instead, we're pivoting to possibly the first ever first year player auction. I don't know if there have been other first year player mock auctions before, but uh, this this very well could be the first. Um, So first of all, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to join me, Jesse, Eric and Chris. How are you guys doing?
2: Great. Thanks for having us, man.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. I will say, like, this is something that I want in the Dynasty League. Like, I would love a Dynasty League where, yeah. you know, it's, it's like the MLB draft where the worst teams get a bigger bonus pool yep. and you have an auction type draft. I think it'd be awesome.
2: You know what? I've actually been preparing these exact rules for months now. <laughs> it may be part of the second Highlander Dynasty Invitational League that I assume we'll be trying to start up in the next month or two. Wow, so breaking news get the ins- inside scoop right here on the pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, it's kind of complicated to try and work it with bonus pools and and allowing teams the ability to trade future assets at the same time because with bonus pools you kind of have to lock it a little bit um but you know if you have a poacher draft which we have in the other Highlander league which would probably be in the in the new league as well um and other ways in which to trade future choose your picks while also making sure the league's engage in a first year player draft on its own. I think it could be a little fun wrinkle and I love the idea and I'm really excited to see how it goes right tonight.
1: Were you you okay with sort of, so my original plan was we all uh, get eight guys in this auction. We have $25 to spend. Uh, Did I make it too simple, Jesse? Should I have had any other wrinkles in there or is this going to be just fine?
2: (laughs) I think it will be just fine for our purposes tonight. I think it will definitely make it a little intriguing. I do think there will be a lot of $1 players. <laughs> <But> that's fine.
1: <laughs> so uh, before the auction starts, I just want to go around uh, the horn here and, and just kind of get everyone's, uh, you know, basically where you work, where, you, where we can find your stuff and just sort of how you approach first year player drafts, maybe how. Uh, your sort of approach to first-year player drafts has evolved over the past few seasons. Um, so, start with you, Jesse. Uh, obviously, you're over at Baseball Prospectus. Um, you know, first-year player drafts. How are you? Uh, how are you generally going about things?
2: Well, I think for one, it depends on draft class. And in this draft class, which I think is very strong, I think it's great to have as many picks as you can get your hands on, to be honest, uh, no matter what your contention window is. Because I do think uh, once a lot of these prospects more firmly establish themselves in pro ball, I think you're going to see their prospect stock just skyrocket um, even further than it already has. So in this for this draft class, I'm all on board with trying to to get in as much as possible. In others, I'm I'm often on board with just moving those picks, trading them away for for often I'm in a position to win now with my teams. I want to try to get MLB talent and I often find, as in most leagues I think, that the concept of a pick is often more valuable than the players that would get selected at that pick because people just love the idea idea and opportunity to draft which I get because drafting is fun but I do think it's good idea often in dynasty leagues to try and leverage first year player draft picks into talent that you that's i guess more secure that you all often can get more value like i said for these picks in trade than you can get by actually utilizing them and i guess one last note i'll just make with regards to first year player drafts is i am fading international free agents more and more you know last year i was like oh this is going to be the year that that they're back and then of course they crashed and burned uh, generally uh, almost up and down the class. And my biggest thing here is that so many of the best players in baseball were former international free agents, but many of them were not the more well-known names, you know, even just Jackson Chirillo just a couple of years ago, wasn't necessarily drafted in first year player drafts during his year. He was a guy who popped up and popped in like, April before he got to Dominican Summer League, um, and then of course he he had great review reports out of the DSL as well. But I think it's best to just wait on those players and wait for their reports to come out in June and July for their performance to kind of roll in, and then jump on them on waivers because the opportunity cost of rostering them from a first-year player draft, in, you know, you're waiting months before they even debut in professional ball. I think it's just too high, especially in leagues that don't have like a ton of prospects.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. uh, What you just said about the international signees and it sort of being league uh, depth dependent on whether it even makes sense. Uh, And I probably should have done a better job of kind of specifying that when I just released my like first year player draft ranks and stuff like that. Um, You know, if it's a league where. 200 prospects are rostered or 150 prospects are rostered. uh, You should definitely downgrade the guys that aren't going to be playing until June. um, The DSL guys, especially uh, in my opinion, but for leagues where it's like 300, 400, 500 prospects rostered. uh, That's where I think um, it still makes sense at the right price. Um, Eric, uh, I know you, uh, you started up a, a Patreon, uh, not you tell the listeners about what you got going on over there and then why don't you also kind of add any sort of personal first year player draft, uh, biases or, or kind of what you're trying to do typically in a first year player draft.
4: Yeah, no, I started a, uh, Patreon it was, it's a Patreon that Chris and I had going for a while and then he moved over to do his, his own thing separately, which I'll let him talk about. But, uh, so let's see yeah, patreon.com slash toolshed fantasy. Got a lot of fun stuff there extra written stuff you know i do uh, ama podcasts and all my in-season prospect rankings will all be on there too so you know a lot of fun stuff I try to get stuff up you know at least three four five times a week probably close to daily once the season gets going just uh, so it's been a lot of fun and it's, it's fun to see uh see the support from everybody so i really appreciate anybody that's already signed up for FYPDs, yeah, I definitely echo what Jesse said about you know the international guys. It's something Chris and I talked about on our uh, you know we did a little episode talking about the top international names and how you know the hit rate just hasn't really been that high. You know, looking back, you know, I look the one instance I immediately think about is the uh, Dominguez class. Right, I, Dominguez has done you know well, but look at the who are like the two, three, four from that class. For most people, were probably some order of Robert Poisson, who's not in my top four hundred anymore. Eric Pena, same thing and uh i think it was like pedro pineda you know so and like jesse said jackson churio was not a big name i, I looked back at my FYPD rankings from last year i had him like 75 or something like that so that the shows that it's not always the big money signings that gets you know that are the ones that work out obviously just because prospect growth is not linear development's not linear and that kind of leads me into my second thing but, but i don't shy away from these like small school players you know like, like Chase a Del- lot. That's why I love chase a lot this year. I'm higher than most, you know, because, you know, at the time, maybe when they, you know, agreed to go to that particular school and committed there, you know, maybe they weren't, you know, super highly thought of prospect at the time, but you know, some people bloom later. Some people are superstar caliber players and they're 18 or show that you know, like a drew Jones. Others take a little bit longer to blossom. So, especially on the pitching side of things too. Like you look at a guy like Jacob, Miz- Miziarowski just look at the player themselves. and Not worry about all oh, this guy didn't face, big competition look what you know happened with colton cowser people were shying away from him last year because he didn't have you know didn't play a lot of top tier teams and now he's a top 20 prospect i think both in my rankings and yours james so yeah i think that's another uh, thing i've kind of been hammering is you know whenever these big small school guys fall i'll scoop them up very good
1: uh chris uh why don't you tell people about the sub stack you just started and then add any thoughts you have on first year player drafts.
3: Sure. So, yeah, like Eric said, uh, we both kind of ventured on our own to see, you know, what we could do as a journey to kind of try to make it a full time gig in this industry. And that's kind of the goal with, with doing these things. But yeah, I launched a new sub called called Dynasty Dugout, kind of houses all my rankings, um, Dynasty Prospects, FYPD, doing all kind of write ups there. Also doing a, a Dynasty ADP system. I have 14 drafts ongoing right now. So that will be that, the housing place of those that ADP system because I feel like there's value in having kind of some sort of ADP system for that. and We don't have that anywhere within the industry, so thought it's a, a cool thing to do. We ran it last year it was a little bit of smaller scale, but this year is exciting because we have fourteen te- or fourteen leagues with fifteen teams. So really looking forward to that. But just really kind of providing content for all dynasty players and we're trying to cover, you know, from points to OBP average, you name it. So kind of doing that there. And yeah, it's been, been fun. There's been a lot of support within two weeks and I'm just really thankful. So if you're listening, I just really appreciate your support. It it means the world to me, but, uh, FYPD. So yeah, y'all have kind of covered a lot. So I'll talk a little bit about some like lessons learned in the past. And when I, I wrote up an FYPD primer and I, had a section that was called 2022 lessons learned. And I do think the reality in FYPD is that there's really no safe pick. There's risk with every pick. I think we kind of throw labels on it. Like, all right, like this is a safe pick. Like, like Jackson Holiday, safe pick, or, you know, we kind of throw those labels out, but I'm not sure that's really the case. And like Jesse said, if I can leverage picks to become players, then I'll absolutely do it all day long, especially in a win now scenario. So I also think that the players you draft should kind of depend on like league size. So in a shallow, like if you're playing a 10 team dynasty, like I'm gonna shoot for upside all day long. But if you're in a little deeper league, then maybe you try to go with the the safer kind of profile. But again, who's safe? So I looked and I was like, all right, why why was I not higher on Andrew Painter? Like I had him ranked 20th in last year's FYPD class. And I even looked back at my write up on him last year and I'm like so why did I not trust myself to push him higher? Like he had a true four pitch mix coming out of high school. Like the fastball was already in the mid nineties and could reach 99 high spin rates. So I thought, okay, I just need to trust my gut more like, and really believe like in these people, even prep arms, like, all right, there's biases against prep arms. You shouldn't like they bust whatever. But like we see in painter's case, like every, all the intangibles were there. You have a incredible frame, like just a durable arm with excellent arsenal. And why did I not push him higher? And I, even, I looked at, like, Ricky Tiedemann. Tiedemann wasn't in a lot of people's even top 100s. He wasn't really on many radars at all. But there was news during instructs that he had his fastball had ticked up significantly. And if you saw the news, like, you could have really pounced on him. And now we know Tiedemann's one of the top pitching prospects in the game. So I think one is just trusting your evaluations on players, but also, like, paying attention because, like, that was a little thing, like, you know, Tiedemann just throw in a bullpen and his, his velo was up. And if you had paid attention and saw that, like he could have drafted him and gotten super good value.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, things change really fast, uh, in the prospect world. Uh, these are growing men they are really young. So even like a month, things can change quickly if there's a material, you know, change in there in anything. And I think that that's one thing that I have worked on is trying to be more proactive with, with reacting to those changes. But, you know, there's, you know, the good and bad with that, because sometimes you react and it's, you know, too soon, you know? And uh, I think James, for example, does a fantastic job of trying to get ahead of the curve and, uh, and identifying those changes and, you know, accepting a lot of what he sees, um, before others do. And, uh, I'm trying to emulate you, James, <laughs> I'm trying to get there. It's hard. <laughs> don't,
1: don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, no, I mean, I, I've been super wrong trying to be ahead of the curve on guys. Uh, you know, Hedbert Perez, uh, Reggie Preciado. Um, so tons of, tons of whiffs on, on that front, uh, which is just the way it's going to go. Um, I would say, especially as it pertains to, and yeah, echo most of what you guys said for sure. Uh, personally, i I tend to sort of stay out of the, um, you know, twenty eight year old, twenty nine year old coming over from Asia uh, in first year player drafts, just because, to me, those those picks, those top ten, top twenty, top thirty picks in first year player drafts, like that's that's probably going to be your best chance all season to add a a guy who turns into an elite prospect and and maybe turns into a, a impact big leaguer who you can roster for their entire prime of their career. Um, so I just don't like using those bullets on the win now piece um, and, and passing up on the opportunity to hit on a prospect in a first year player draft. But I would definitely, Change my tune if I were an older uh, team with only a couple more years of contention uh, in me. Um, And then, you know, going back to what you said, Jesse, I think for the purposes of this auction, uh, let's just say that it's a league where, you know, 400 prospects are rostered Um, and we'll, we'll just all kind of operate under that. Uh, I forget who, I saw a tweet out like a poll recently, but it was sort of like how many prospects are rostered in your dynasty league. And I think, you know, over 200 or something was by far the the most popular response. So um, I think that'll be most useful if we just kind of operate like this is a pretty deep, um, pretty sharp dynasty league.
2: For sure. Um, Is it OBP or average?
1: Yeah, let's do OBP. Let's say it's OBP. There we go. Um, so adjust your dollar figures, uh, (laughs) go with, go with whatever column you had the OBP dollar figures in, uh, and I'm going to have the first nomination here. Uh, we're going to do alphabetical order by, uh, last name. Uh, again, we all have $25 to work with. We are going to fill eight slots with first year players and, uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. I mean, who, who knows how it's going to go. Um, and so without further ado, I will nominate Drew Jones for
0: $7. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
4: Ooh.
3: Eight dollars. Nine. Ten. I'll go eleven. Why not?
1: Do I hear a twelve? Got eleven for Chris. Going once. Going twice. Drew Jones sold to Chris
2: Clegg for twelve.
1: Boom.
3: now i gotta figure out what to do my budget (laughs) do you want
2: to do quick blurbs or talk about?
3: yeah yeah
1: well i mean anyone that wants to comment on that can uh, chime in you know chris uh, i don't know if you want to say anything about jones
3: sure yeah i mean he's my clear-cut number one and that may maybe clear cuts not popular with everybody but i do think that the upside that that jones offers across the board is just insanely elite i think there's a strong chance of a plus hitter with plus power, and and he's right now you know has runs seventy grade clock times, so you know that could obviously tick down a bit. We're talking about a six foot four, one eighty. You know he's got a frame that could definitely add weight and power. So he already has power, and we've seen that. But I do think that the ceiling is extremely high here. Number one overall prospect potential. So. And we think about the budget a little less than half here. It's maybe a bit aggressive, but I'm happy with it because I, I'm not, I'm going to end up with zero Drew Jones and any FIPD. So I got to get him here. <laughs> you got to get at least
2: one share, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I think Drew Jones is definitely for me. Is also one. I think he's so fun because of the frame. I think he mm-hmm. offers just, and this is my, both, both the good and bad thing for Drew Jones is a lot is based on projection for him because the power, while he's solid now, it's not plus yet. And, you know, I think that we're, we're anticipating he's going to add muscle mass and, you know, we know what his father did. <laughs> so I think that we can make us, I think it's a safe assumption that he'll get to more of it. Um, and I do think that, the hit tool again for all these 18 year olds is kind of like huh, we're, we're shrugging shoulders in a lot of ways. Um, and I think with Drew Jones, we're going to see probably a swing change because he's sort of an inside out swing right now. And I think it is hit, hit over power. So, you know, a lot of the contact rates he's getting to now as a prep, I'm wondering where they'll be in professional ball, especially if he tries, if he gets some more power in games. So it's fun. I mean, I legit think he, he could be 30 20 type. Uh, if it goes the way I hope it goes, but I think there's more projection there than than many realize, but I mean, he is named Andrew Jones. So we know what kind of upside that could be. All right.
1: Uh, Chris, uh, it's your nom. All right. Well, I will
3: throw out Elijah green for five.
4: Six. Seven eight you're gonna have him
1: all right going once going twice sold to me uh Elijah Green for eight um yeah I mean I think what uh I think it was Chris when you were kind of talking about first year player drafts about how there just isn't really such a thing as a safe player uh I mean Elijah Green is not safe at all.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but the up the upside though, man, and, the upside. Yeah,
1: I mean, I so I, I ranked him uh, like you know in my top twenty five on my last update, and and a lot of people kind of took that to mean that I just I fully buy the hit tool, um, but I I don't. I, I just think it's uh, you know really hyperbolic uh, power speed potential if you know he only has to have like a 45 grade hit tool uh, and that would just he could be like a, a top three round pick with a 45 grade hit tool. Um, so I I it's a, it's a total flyer um, big upside flyer and you know if Elijah Green is killing it after the first couple months of the season, um, probably at single A, you know, everyone's just going to be talking about him. Uh, if he's striking out 38% of the time, people will be talking about him for other reasons. So um, <laughs> I think both of those are in play.
2: Um, yeah, I think, I think people may be approaching Elijah Green more cautiously because of some of the recent track record we've had with similar talents, like Joe Adele, for example, um, you know, big power speed guy who, who's just hit till collapsed in the upper miners. And I'm wondering if, you know, obviously none of these prospects are the same people. So <laughs> they're not in the same organizations, you know, their development is going to be very different. So I think that that may be, might be an error uh, that people will be seeing in hindsight that they're like, oh, well, Joe Adele didn't work out, so Elijah Green won't work out, and I think we shouldn't be making that com- that comparison necessarily. Um, I get the risk, and the, for some people who are risk averse, I know that Jake Devereaux would never in his life probably draft <laughs> Elijah Green, right, Eric? Um, <laughs> there's Fly some people who just, there's some people who would never go there, but the upside is crazy.
1: Yeah, it's um, I I've. Kind Of he, he kind of reminds me of Ellie Day of the Cruise a little bit.
4: I was oh. just gonna say that because with Ellie, all you need is 40 45 grade hit tool. And with these guys that have the the, the loud quality of contact metrics and you know top notch speed, they'll run higher bab so they'll probably have a higher average than you know they probably should with, with, their, with their contact skills and approach. So I think, yeah, yeah I love green, I love I him.
1: and I think like uh, even even a Joe Adele cop, I think almost sort of sells his tools a little short um and yeah, the and green in particular green uh if this matters to anyone like green has been like i don't follow amateurs at all and i've known about green for for years for mm-hmm. over two years uh and that's very rarely the case like so he's he's just been a known pedigree stud prospect for longer than most high school draftees um and you can take that for what you will. Uh, okay, Eric, you're now.
4: All right. I am going to go with Jesse's boy, Brooks Lee. I'll put him for, go for $3.
2: <laughs> My boy. oh yeah. <laughs> That is your boy. I'll, I'll put $4 on him.
1: All right. We got $4 going once going twice, sold. Jesse gets Brooks Lee.
2: All right. <laughs> so my boy, uh, look, Brooks Lee for a lot of people will probably think he is a, you know, not a great fantasy prospect, but look, he was drafted as a hit first, probably third base only player. Cause I don't think he's going to be a shortstop long-term. I mean, obviously the twins just signed Carlos Correa for six years. I mean, how long that he lasts given his leg injuries or leg issues is uncertain. But I I think Lee is probably a third baseman. He has very good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, It's not necessarily top of the class level bat-to-ball, but there's solid power. And he just is a pure hitter. Lots of line drives. Got the double A last year. I think he's going to move very quickly. It's not the loudest profile, but I think he legitimately has a ceiling similar to what we saw (laughs) lazily, I'm going to say Carlos Correa do last year, which is like 290 with 22 home runs. I could see him doing that switch hitting third baseman don't grow on trees uh i've heard a comp to uh ken a non-steroided ken caminetti <laughs> which works for honestly <laughs> that won't work for uh, uh fantasy, to be honest uh and i there isn't going to be much speed with berksley but i think the hit and power will work and it'll play
1: jesse do you i i would gotten this question a couple times uh just about um about players like Nick Gonzalez and Matt McClain. And I would even bring in like Keston Hira and even like Austin Martin and Spencer Torkelson. It just seems like there's been a lot of hit tool first college hitters who just the hit tool has kind of evaporated in pro ball. Is that just everyone has their own individual story or is there anything to be adjusted with the way we're valuing college bats like this because i there have been some guys that i've downgraded um maybe lower than i would in in past years lee i'm i'm kind of keeping firmly sort of as a top 10 guy in this class but what do you make of all those sort of failed college hit tool guys in recent years
2: yeah i think for for some of them it's you know well some of those guys are small school guys sorry eric (laughs) um small school guys with kind of wonky swings and you know lee that's a sort of a risk with lee lee's swing is not like traditional it's an unorthodox swing. you wouldn't necessarily teach it to a kid uh and you can say same thing with this about zach Nito, who we'll be talking about at some point um small school guy as well both of them are hit tool first players i think it is definitely risky i think with lee at least you know this is a player who comes from baseball background um you know i think that a lot of the intangibles and I guess I hate to like lean on the work ethic or that kind of stuff in supporting a player ever really, but um, they're there for him. And, you know, as a switch hitter that can hit from both sides of the plate, I think that kind of helps migate some, you know, platoon issues that some players have, especially um, as they get up in the upper levels. Uh, I think the base, my biggest concern with Lee is power. And I think that's, you know, I think the power is there and I think the role will arrive even more but it does play down games. And honestly, that helps his hit tool play up. So I think he he's not a player who's necessarily relying fully on contact skills either. So it, it's not the sexiest profile. And I think that if you're in a shallow league, I would definitely be fading a player like Lee. But I think Lee's a great dynasty investment in a league that rosters like 400 players.
1: Well said. All right, uh, you got the now.
2: All right, with my nomination, uh, I will be going with Cam Collier, third baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, and I will nominate him at $3. I'll go four, five, six. Five. Six.
1: Do I hear seven? You know I'm already partially broke, Eric. <laughs> All right, uh, going once, going twice. Cam Collier sold to Air Cross for six bucks. Um,
4: I like Collier a good amount. Like he's firmly in like that second tier. Obviously, the first tier is you know the ones we've already talked about, and you know the high school guys there. But that second tier, which is you know, a lot of you know collegiate bats there, you know, maybe an arm or two. He's definitely near the top of that tier, and you know he's a little young, a little bit younger, kind of like in the middle. He went to went to a junior, JUCO, but that type of pure hitter with potential power projection to add more. Plus that great, great ballpark he's going to be playing in uh, a lot to like that. Maybe he's not the biggest speed guy, but that bat will play and that home ballpark will make it even better. So very excited to see what cam Collier can do.
3: And it's worth noting. He's younger than any of these prep player, any of the big four prep guys, which is not true. Yeah. He reclassified. So yep. he, I mean, he did all that in Juco as a 17 year old and then played on the Cape. Like, what he did was, was just nuts. Like, I think he's, to me, he slots in right behind the big four. And I think that he's quite deserving of that. Like, and you can say whatever about Juco, but a solid Juco league at Chipola. I mean, like, and he played solid competition there and as a 17 year old, just put up outstanding numbers that uh, they're hard to argue against across the board. So yep. I, I'm a big fan of Cam Collier.
2: I will I'll just be the Brett Sayer in the room and argue against Cam Collier he's very low on him he's he's got like 14th in his class and I had to push hard against him fence Brett trying to make me move him down I was able to hold firm and I still have a 10 which I'm sure is lower than everyone in this room um my biggest issue with Collier is quality of contact is a serious issue right now for him of course he's really young and that will probably almost certainly improve but the the swing is not built for power right now and I think it's going to likely have to change and obviously he's young these things can happen and honestly Cincinnati has been really good at developing a lot of these players I mean we see what Ellie's done lately Uh, so I think there's a lot of reason for hope but there is legitimately no fantasy fallback if the power doesn't come because he's not necessarily going to be a great athlete I don't think he's going to provide much speed uh, if any at all and so if it ends up being just a hit almost hit only profile i'm a little concerned i mean i think that there is some kind of like shades of like a brian hayes type of player here without quite the speed of hayes and that's my concern with collier but i do get the upside i get the love um but he's a weird one because he's so young and where he played so i think he's a he's like a he's a draft model breaker and he's a first year player draft model breaker in my mind too
3: Yeah, I'll counter because he did post a, like with a wood bat, posted a a max EV of 107.2, which was better than, which was over better than any of the prep, those big four prep guys. So other than, uh, other than Elijah green with a wood bat, absolutely. Elijah green had
2: 113 mile an hour with wood bat. Um, he had like a, like a dozen over 110 at batting press at national stadium
3: So outside of Elijah Um, green.
2: Yeah. Well Elijah Green's a freak, so right, <laughs> right. right. he's a freak. But yeah, yeah, I mean I think that it's his power's right there right now with like Drew Jones or all with Drew Jones with Jackson Holiday. I, I'm not like what? saying that it's not there. It's just I'm yeah. worried about the game mainly. Were you more you're more worried about the bat
1: path, uh Jesse than the Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, the bat okay. path and the approach. The approach it's it's firmly hit over power. He's very Oppo oriented too. So like I just he's young, so a lot of this can change, and I understand and get that there's a lot to love that's underlying all this. So, but I think my concern is that, that the there is no backup for him. If the power doesn't really get to where it needs to be. I did see what Eric Logan, recently did fan tracks and said, he's going to potentially be a seven future game power. So that completely goes in my face and Eric does do great work over there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to see. It's going to be interesting to see how his career develops.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think outcomes range from, you know, something close to like Raphael Devers to doesn't make the majors. So, um, you know, very, very wide range of outcomes for this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm back up to nominate. I will throw out Jackson Holliday for $8. $9. Uh ten. All right. Going once, going twice. All right, I got Jackson Holiday for ten. Um I did kind of come up with some dollar values and I've been sort of sticking to those. Uh very interested to see if if I regret blowing eighteen of my twenty five dollars on two players. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. But I do like I do. It is sort of. I kind of have a hypothesis that the sort of top four guys in this class will, will sort of look back and think that it was kind of special, or at least like three of the four, or maybe maybe two of the four, uh, turn into just monster prospects. Uh, so I I do love getting into that top four, uh, whenever possible. Uh, Holiday. I think it's just really scratching the surface of his potential. Uh he can he can do it all and um yeah, I think he's going to be kind of the the last piece uh as they build this what could be kind of a juggernaut team in a couple of years. Um yeah. So I I like that pick. Um anyone have anything to add on on Holiday?
4: I just like oh. what Baltimore's doing in general. Like as a Red Sox fan, you know, fellow AL East team here. <laughs> I'm if they if they can figure out the pitching like the hitting I think is gonna be really damn good. If they can figure out the pitching, I'll get like Grayson Rodriguez about to come up. If they can kind of build that together a little bit better, you know, that's to be a very good team for the next
2: you know five six seven years. So I, I just like what Baltimore's doing in general. Jackson Holiday probably comes up and has a better on base percentage than to Mondesi this year. <laughs> um, that's not that's not
4: saying much. What's Mondesi's career OBP like two seventy or something?
2: I could get a two seventy OBP Just sit there and don't take, don't swing. I will say the prospect team at baseball prospectus is very, very high on Jackson Holiday. They have him ninth overall in real life for real life rankings ahead of drew jones and drew jones obviously is a real life stud because of the center field like pure center field defense there so uh there's a full buy-in on his hit tool at baseball prospectus uh his his debut of course kind of like cemented a lot of what people saw in him uh what the progress he made over the summer showcase series throughout the the fall and then his spring. Uh, I mean, this guy—he did. I mean, not that it matters all that much, but you know, he set the single-season record in it for high school hitters in hits, beating JT Romuto. Um, the bats of ball—he's the best bats of ball ability in this class, in my opinion. Period. Um, among all hitters, um, and that's saying something. <laughs> uh, and the plate discipline is elite as well. Um, you know, this isn't just a passive player. This is a guy who who knows how to take a bat and a bat, and he knows how to read the zone. And, you know, he comes from baseball, you know, bloodlines as well. He's been around the game his entire life. Uh, he is a gym rat. All that all that nonsense applies to Jackson Holiday. I think the biggest question here is where the power and speed impact will be and where he'll end up lying. I'm pretty positive there. I think he has 20-20 upside. Um, I know the prospect team thinks his power could get to 25-plus. I'm not, he's got a ways to go to get to that kind of power, but I mean, you gotta love the bat, the organization, um, the, the, I guess the pedigree, the family and everything. It's just, it's a perfect storm. I was actually arguing briefly for holiday. Number one in this class, first year player class as well. I think it's a one, a one B situation. I love holiday.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one, a one B for me as well. Um, but I, I do prefer Jones just slightly. Uh, Yeah. So, Chris, you are back up to nominate. All righty. Let's see.
3: I guess we'll throw out Tamar Johnson since he is not gone yet, and we'll go for three.
2: Four. Five. Six.
1: Tamar Johnson going once for six. Going twice. Sold.
2: 100%. Whoa. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> that was you, Jesse? That was me.
4: Jeez. I almost went seven. I I was teetering on seven. <sighs>
2: all right. Well, look, i You're get killing it. me. I get it. I get it. All right. So for one, with Shamar Johnson, he was a terrible in the complex. We should just kind of throw the complex level like debut yeah. out. I mean, ignore it. It's nonsense. It's not relevant to anything. He was his normal self and once he settled into a ball as, eight, as an 18-year-old, and he was great. He had nine of 30 bad ball events, over 100 miles an hour. Uh, his max was 107, right up there with the top of this age group. Uh, and, you know, I think the role uh, is even better than that. And I think that, you know, he's a player who's demonstrated his entire, you know, amateur career winning all kinds of home run derbies. It's an explosive, explosive swing. He's not super, he's not a big player, but he gets to a lot of power. That's sort of a big question for me. Is I'm not sure where the power if the power is going to be as high as I think what people think it could be. I definitely see a potential for a 20 plus home run hitter, but I'm not sure if it's going to get to like 30, like I think I've heard some people say. Now the hit soul is I think where a lot of people think he's he shines. I it's a very good hit tool. He's a great approach. He makes a lot of hard contact, a lot of uh, line drive contact to all fields. There is swing and miss here. There's a hitch and swing. I think that the contact ability isn't nearly as strong as I think he some people have implied it is. Uh, but I still think you get he could get to be a plus hit tool because he makes great contact and and his approach is just almost flawless for this age group there's also some some athleticism i i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up stealing double digit stolen bases he he stole bases in his debut i think that that not that matters a ton but i think there's enough here to have sneaky sneaky Five category production. But obviously, you're buying the bat itself and not necessarily the speed. He's probably a second baseman long term. He's already playing more games at second, but that's actually great to be honest, because second base sucks <laughs> fancy. So uh yeah, it's not as high of a profile in terms of uh upside as like a green or a drones or even a holiday, but arguably it's safer don't like use that word. <laughs> yeah, we need a, we need a different word than safe. To All right. It's, prospects that, Oh matter. man. <laughs> yeah, well, more there's more less time. projection necessary for him to get to where he needs to be. In my mind, you know, the power is sort of already there. So it's just about, you know, making, making it more consistent in the game.
1: So the top five high schoolers are gone. Uh, in order of price, uh, Clegg got Jones at 12. I got holiday at 10. I got green at eight and then Johnson to Jesse for six and Collier to Eric for six. I would definitely rather have Tremar for six than green for eight. Uh, but that's how auctions go. Um, all right. I think that brings it to uh, Eric to nominate, I believe.
4: I'd also rather have Tremar Johnson for six than Kim Collier for six. but No, <laughs> I do like Collier. I think that was a solid price, but uh, I will go to someone much, much older, and I will go with the top arm from the international market, Kodai Senga for go three.
2: Four.
1: Four. Do I hear five?
4: Chris, All you right. really want to go five. I do, but I'm holding off. I'm holding <laughs> off. Cody I Senga. Hold going,
1: <laughs> going once, going twice. All right. Jesse gets Cody Senga for
2: four. All right. Well, Senga was actually ranked third in our first year player draft rankings ahead of Elijah Green. But I get why, you know, if you're in a shallow league, you should probably going be going with Green if you're looking for upside. Senga is not going to be somebody that like a rebuilder is going to go to. He's going to be 30 by opening day. But this is an established international arm who's been doing it since 2016. Uh, He's not the biggest guy. He's only about six feet. He doesn't necessarily – he's not the most durable. I don't know if he's going to even pass like 150 innings this year or in any year of his five-year deal with the Mets. Uh, But what he does do is he throws one of the nastiest pitches in all the world – it with his ghost fork or split splitter and it's a pitch that i think is going to miss a lot of major league bats he also throws gas he averages 96 miles an hour he can touch 102 miles an hour um, and not that the fastball doesn't necessarily have the best fa- you know, shape so i don't think it's necessarily going to miss a boatload of bats but the splitter alone i think is going to make him a impact major league starter that will give you great ratios uh he also has a slider and a cutter which are solid but they're, they're i guess effectiveness waxes and wanes we'll see how he ends up transitioning i think that james made a great point earlier is that a lot of these players have had inconsistent transitions to major league baseball i mean it's a big cultural change for these guys and i you know recently we had like yusai kikuchi who you know what for some people were even advocating him as the first pick in first year player drafts that year and that has not worked out at all and i think that there is fear that some that, that singa could go that route but you know singa's splitter ball, i think kind of separates him and puts him closer to that like you darvish and kentameida and, um, uh, and Tanaka and Tanaka. You know, bucket than the others. I think he'll be out here performing right away. He has a rotation with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer that can help him acclimate and kind of like show him the ropes. At least I hope that will happen. <laughs> uh, I am quite high on him this year. Uh, but again, it really depends on your team build. And it's, he's not necessarily going to be for everybody. I could see him being like outside the top 10 in some first year player drafts or like even drafted first overall.
1: Yeah, just so hard, so hard to rank these guys uh, because it is so team dependent. You know, it's it's easy to rank a bunch of prospects uh, because they're all essentially kind of going to arrive in like two, three, four years. Uh, but trying to rank a guy who's towards the back half of his prime and is going to be contributing right away, it kind of rules out you know half the dynasty teams in each league and. Um, You're kind of looking towards the top of the standings and seeing if anyone wants to trade for that pick. Um, All right. So Jesse, you, you get to know,
2: I will nominate chase the Lauder for $3. Go for it, Eric. (laughs) Four.
4: Five. (laughs) Clegg, stop. Um... Chase the
1: ladder going once for five going twice. Do I hear six? sold to i was really Chris. trying to price enforce <laughs> <laughs> i don't just
4: like you for right fun. now i do not like you right now oh well i'll take him we're fighting <laughs> i'll take him good good restraint eric i know oh, wow I'm impressed just looking at the name still on the board and like i loved the louder but i was like i can't go six on the louder when better it, not
1: leave any money on the table <laughs>
4: i know that that's the risk you run with these auctions is you know you uh you wait a little bit you're gonna get a lot of good values and you could but you don't wait too long and it's a delicate balance.
1: You guys got to stop throwing these guys out above my max bid of 2. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, I'll uh I'll hit a
3: little bit on louder and I'll try to quick pick up Yeah, we tape. can
1: we could keep these we could keep the analysis just a little shorter here since yeah. we still have to get through a, a few more.
3: No problem. Um you know, I've come around a little bit more on DeLouder. I was not the highest on him, but I've gone back and watched more and kind of Reevaluated a bit and you know it wouldn't be surprising to me if he finishes like he's in like the second tier like there's a pretty big second tier for me here and he you know he's kind of in the middle of it but it wouldn't surprise me to see him jump to like the top of that tier big physical I mean six foot four 235 powerful swing solid fill for contact some speed as well so pretty well rounded player and again you know people kind of knock on the mid-major type schools but then we see you know the Colton Cousers of the world that come up and perform of the guys do, so I think DeLauder can do it as well.
1: Very good. Uh, right, I think it's back to me. Uh, I'm going to throw out Zach Neto for two,
4: three. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James.
1: All right, uh, going once, Zach Neto. <sighs> going twice. Jeez, sold. All right, That's Eric got net over three. Um,
4: all right. Okay. Uh, that. You know, another kind of smaller school guy, but has the definitely, you know, another one that I have him right near. Him and Brooks Lee are very close in my rankings. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously a little bit different profiles, but I think he's going to be one that could, you know, fly under the radar a bit because he doesn't have those loud, sexy tools that we you know, often desire in these types of uh, drafts. But uh, I think the the tools are there for him to be. Uh, he's already like a back end top 100 guy for me. I think he could be a guy that rises up to top 50, one of the you know quicker risers in this draft class. And him and Brooks Lee probably are the first two to reach the major leagues. And the, the one thing I don't trust the Angels development, though, that's the one thing I wish he would have landed literally almost anywhere else because I just don't trust them uh, to develop. You know, obviously Mike Trout would have been Mike Trout regardless of the orc he was in, but lately their track record isn't the greatest. So, one little, you know, cautious part there but i do like the uh, profile of netto i think he's kind of uh slept on a little bit
1: yeah he's my he's my favorite college hitter in the class i think uh i think he is the first hitter from this class to get to the majors and uh kind of you know i, I yeah, think it could be just all five
2: categories a little
1: bit of a little bit of everything um
2: <laughs> He's a better value than Lee at 4 got to say that much. (laughs) Yeah. I think we should both be four at least. Zach Neto Um, for three. It's a good deal. James, you should bid four, man.
1: (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) I was hammering the bid button. (laughs) That's what's happening. All right. Uh, Clegg, up to you to nominate. All right.
3: Let's drop down. Let's go with Dalton rushing for two.
1: Do I hear three on Dalton rushing? All right, going once, going twice,
2: sold. Did All you right. see Chris's face light up when <laughs> nobody else said anything? I didn't I expect a, that to stick. I oh, have him at three, but I can't spend money right now. Yeah, I, I also had
1: me. him. I also <laughs> had him at three, um, but I couldn't go there. Uh, Chris, I do. I want to ask um, with rushing. You know, how much do you weigh? how high you were on a guy pre-draft like how much does that impact sort of how much you react because I I kind of think rushing probably had the best statistical debut of anyone um you know I don't know it it certainly when you look at sort of the advanced data and contact quality swing decisions you know he he checks every box uh I wasn't very high on him pre-draft um and the Dodgers get their hands on him and all of a sudden he's a monster. Um, You could kind of buy into the narrative of, you know, he was behind Henry Davis for a couple of years and didn't really get to shine. And uh, the Dodgers saw it and he could maybe just hit enough to play first base or DH. Like, so I I definitely buy all the pro rushing arguments, but how, how do you sort of weigh your pre-draft eval on a guy after they go out and just dominate like that in a debut?
3: Yeah, it does make it tough because we're we are talking about a thirty game sample, hundred and thirty-four plate appearances between, you know, A ball and you know, you only played two games at the complex, but it's tough because you never want to overreact too much to that small of a sample because anybody can go on a hot streak in that amount of time. And we are talking about a college bath that was in, you know, low A. So in some in some ways, like that's kind of the expectation that he should absolutely dominate but to an extent I, I, you did mention it the fact that he did sit behind Henry Davis kind of leaves me like okay well he got his chance to shine and he he really took off this year and you mentioned the, the data was you know, he had the best statistical debut of any player looking across the board I mean the contact was, was really good he didn't chase at all and maybe that's just to be expected but then the power numbers were also there as well when you look at the exit velocities and hard hit rate so is all this sustainable? Maybe not to this extent, but I do think rushing is a solid bat that you know if he does you know, go to first or even DH, like there's there's value there because the bat is capable.
2: His college data was arguably better than Kevin Parada's college data. Yeah. I think that his track record is the reason he fell the second round. I mean, he just doesn't have a lengthy one because of, you know, being a backup to Henry Davis, who is, you know, obviously a first overall pick. He also rushing also performed at the cape you know before his college breakout so i don't think this is like a a limited sample anymore and i'm i'm buying it i'm buying it i think he's a top 100 fantasy prospect personally
1: yeah that's where i've got him i think the rushing versus prada is a is a fascinating one because it's it's like prada like all the track record you could want uh and rushing, you know, over the past calendar year, more impressive. So um, that's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, all right, I think it's Eric's now.
4: Eric, you there? Oops, I have myself a mute. Rookie move there. Sorry about that. Uh, let's let's go with uh, my namesake and go, Gavin Cross for two.
1: Anyone going three on Gavin Cross? Going once,
2: going twice. Three. All right. Right right before the buzzer. Right. Yeah. Uh, Four. All right. You can have i 'em. I'm I'm out. All right. Can't let him go for two. Good. That'd have been a steal. It would be yeah.
1: all right. Uh tell us about uh your namesake, Eric.
4: Well, outside of having a you know, 80 grade last name there, but I think Gavin Cross is, he's definitely right up there uh, in the top end of that tier two. We've kind of talked about great collegiate career at Virginia tech. You know, he's already, this. he already has a major league body. Like this guy looks, looks ready. Obviously he's not, but I'm saying like the body looks ready. And this is a guy that he had a very good, I think if Dalton rushing didn't do what he did, I think people will be talking more about what Gavin Cross did in his de- debut down in ball. And, you know, Big power, you know, plus power guy, you know, at least an average hitter, maybe above average, and could run a little bit too, maybe not a ton, but maybe he's got to add, you know, five to eight steals annually. And I think he's going to be a pretty quick riser and, you know, get up there and join Witt and and Vinny P within the next year or two. So I I like Cross a lot.
2: How do you feel about his uh, future home park? (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's a big concern I have with Cross. Yeah. I, I obviously, it's not great. Obviously, Kaufman's
4: been very pitcher friendly, but I think Cross is the type of guy that I think he has the power where I don't think it'll affect him too much. I don't think it's going to affect which, you know, maybe it takes away a couple of home runs every, you know, a year. That's bound to happen, but I don't think it's going to affect these top guys too much. I think it'll affect more like the, you know, the Isbell, the Drew Water types that don't have you know quite as big of, you know, power as these guys have. I think they'll get affected a little bit more, but yeah, it would be nice if he was in Cincinnati or, New York or something like that, obviously, but you know, I, I just I love the all-around talent. I think I'm gonna get a lot of shares of him and FYPDs this year. All right,
2: Jesse, you're num. All right. I will uh, nominate Jet Williams for two. Ah. <laughs> he just broke James's heart. <laughs> you have to pay. You have
1: already, to pay. I've already mismanaged this auction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, going once, going twice. Jesse gets Jet Williams for three. Uh, Oh no, you you nominated him for two, right? Two,
2: two, yeah. All right, look, I I really like Jet Williams. I know that uh, Brett Sayer has Jet Williams well within his top ten in this class, and I think James, you have him in your top ten as well. Yeah,
1: I've got him at seven.
2: Yeah, uh, I think he's a player who you know this is a mid first round pick, uh, fourteenth overall. He has underrated upside. He's not a big guy. He's five foot eight, but he has legit power right now. The problem, I guess, if you want to say it's a problem, is that he is very much hit over power. You know, he's not big, so he has like a short compact swing that makes a ton of contact, and it's to all fields. So, you know, the power may ultimately play in game to like four a four at peak. But the hit tool could get to a six, um, and I think it's going to be getting there. I think he's he makes tons of contact to all fields. It's hard contact. He has great underlying data, uh, and he's a speedster. This guy can fly. I mean, he's named Jet Williams for – I mean, his parents may not have foreseen this, <laughs> but he can fly, and I think the speed will be there. I could see him developing into like a 280 – 10 to 15 home run guy with that could push 30 stolen bases at peak uh i think he'll play i think he has that type of tommy edmund upside that people underrate and uh i think that that's what we'll see with him and i have him firmly in my top 100 and he's actually 10 in our rankings and uh yeah go get chet williams in first rounds don't be shy
1: any uh any dissenting views on jet williams because i i know that he's uh he's definitely my kryptonite type of <laughs> prospect just like the undersized speed hit tool projecting on the power type of guy um but uh, eric uh chris either of you guys kind of more lukewarm
3: i'm good i uh the the small size the little bit of pop it kind of reminds me a bit of Corbin Carroll when he came out of high school. I don't want yeah. to go that extreme, but that's kind of the what I saw right off the bat. No, I'm not going
4: to say he's going to ascend to those levels, but I do like the profile. But that's what the listeners are going to take from this, is that you just, <laughs> just comp Jet Williams to Corbin Carroll. I that's, know. that's what everyone's going to take from this. That's the same as
3: comping Jason to Mike Trout. You know, I shouldn't Absolutely.
4: I, I like Williams a good amount. I think he's going to be a, a fun player, with, especially if the power comes along a little bit. Uh, I'm probably a little bit lower. I have him uh, 16th in my FYPD rankings. It's just other guys I like more than against him. But I, I do think he's going to be a, a fun little player to, to follow here over the next few years.
1: Yeah, I think the undersized baseball players can be sort of a market inefficiency, uh, especially in the draft. Like I think you know, Corbin Carroll, the only reason he fell to where he fell is because some front offices are are just leery about taking a guy that size. Um, but I yeah, I mean I think all these guys are, are really risky, but I I do uh I do think jet's a good good value where he'll he'll go in most first year player drafts. Um all right, so are we let's see. I think we're back to
2: You, I think.
1: We're back to me. Yeah, we are back to me. All right. Um let's see if I can get some money off the board here. Uh Spencer Jones for two. Three. So I hear four Spencer Jones for three going once, going twice. Sold to Eric,
4: that's, that's why day. I had to get the three out quick because I know I know those two were going go for the three, but I'm going for ready. three to four is going to be the sticking point. <laughs> oh, so as, soon as, I, as soon as I heard spin, I was like, Yep, no, three. Fuck. Yeah, so get that three out. Obviously, as a Red Sox fan, I do not want Spencer Jones to turn into the beast. I think he could, but it looks like he's going to. Obviously, the big guy you know, power hit tool, you know, lefty Yankee stadium can even run a bit too. Uh, I don't know how long that continues, but maybe at least early on he provides a little bit of speed, but the bat is going to be, you know, has the chance of being really, really good. And that home ballpark is just going to, you know, give that nice little boost there. So he's going to be one that he's already rising. He's already one of the hotter names, rising up FYPD boards and prospect boards. And if he starts out, out the year hot and, probably high a i'm guessing then he's i think shoot up rankings a a fair amount over the first
2: month or two of the season i mean Spencer jones has the most power in this draft easily i don't no one can match him um he had 112 this is with metal bat though you know the data from college he had 112 mile an hour 90th percentile exit velocity in college that is bananas
3: (laughs) yeah only (laughs) Uh, stanton would have beat that in the mlb last year so yeah
2: yeah it's uh I, my biggest concern with him, you know, he's a big kid, six foot seven. I think, you know, where he lands and his power, he's going to be comp to Aaron judge that's going to follow. And if he disappoints those comps, Yankees fans will be unforgiving. Um, But, you know, my biggest concern with Jones though, is the hit tool. Um, You mentioned it. I think there's a bit of a, a concern there because there is a decent bit of underlying swing and miss his contact rates in college were not great. Um, and uh, he also doesn't get to a lot of that crazy power in games because he puts a lot of balls on the ground, uh, just like Judge did out of college. To be honest, uh, there are a lot, way too many similarities between these two guys. Um, the upside is, you know, you know, <laughs> the upside is massive. I love this pick. I love getting Jones there at three dollars. It's so good. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that was a good value. Um,
1: all right, uh, Chris, you're now.
3: All right, let's go let's throw a pitcher and go Dylan Lesko for one.
4: I'll go two.
1: All right, I'll go three.
4: Kid would you get him for a buck? I,
1: Lesko know, I was hoping I'd going, going twice. Sold to Chris for three.
3: All right. Yes, I love Dylan Lesko. I was lucky to get to see him pitch live. Not he doesn't live far from here. Very, very talented. I think he would have gone much higher if he didn't have Tommy John, but I do think the stuff is the best in the class. And I I do, there are other arms that I do like, but I think that if it weren't for the surgery, he would probably be kind of an interior of his own among the arms. I mean, the fastball is plus easily, if not better. I mean, so much velo and right at the top of the zone. The changeup is just insane, like so good. And he makes in the curve to the 12.6, a lot of spins, a good pitch. He commands the ball well, like very advanced for a prep arm. So uh, I really like Lesko. And I think he'll really rise up boards this year or when he gets back healthy when we see him pitch. Not sure if he does debut maybe late in the year, but
1: we'll see. So, uh, Chris, I, did you go one more than your max bid on that one? Was that my Matt? Oh. <laughs>
3: Oh, might not. Have, might, might have had the bid.
2: rules.
1: <laughs>
3: oh man. Oof! Oh, I'm gonna get kicked out of here.
1: Do we roll that back, or do we just say Chris only gets seven guys?
2: Oh, let's just uh, give or, him only seven. Or we can all get an extra dollar. Or that.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all
2: right,
3: yeah, you can. You can I take him an extra dollar. That's fine.
1: <laughs> all right. This is. All right. This is upsetting. I would use that, that extra dollar to get Jet Williams.
3: Um, i ruined it. All right. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Um, all right. So uh, over to Eric for the nom.
4: Ooh, all the, this is where it kind of falls off in terms of like trying to get those fun names off the board. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Kevin Parada for two. And Parada going
1: once going twice sold to Eric for two. I'll
4: take that, so especially in OBP, because Parada runs high walk rates and I think he's gonna be a you know a very valuable prospect and especially in OBP formats. And you know, I, I think the he's a you know Georgia Tech guy, much better pure hitter than Joey Bart ever was with equal power, so or even, maybe even better power. But yeah, I think he's gonna be a pretty quick rise. Obviously, he's a catcher. I think he can stick there. I think maybe him and Alvarez can you know, share the, the the spot there down the road and get some DH in as well. I think the bat is very good, and uh, I'm not afraid of taking a catcher. So, you know, I shy away from high school catchers a little more in these formats, though not many of them go this high, honestly. But uh, Prada is one that I think is uh, fairly you – know, we're not using the word safe. Did we figure out a different word to use besides safe yet? But uh, whatever that word is, Prada is kind of it. <laughs> he's He's steady.
2: There you go, oh, daddy. There, there we man. go, daddy. Eddie, <laughs> hey, parada went for two, rushing went for two. It felt it feels right, it feels right. Um, I had them both value three, so there you go.
1: I am All kind right. of questioning my like, you know, I, I sort of have a bunch of these guys really clustered in a, in a tier. Um, and the parada versus rushing thing kind of has me thinking, I don't, I don't know, I might go rushing there. Um, but I do have parada ranked higher. That's interesting. Um, that's what
2: the great thing about mocks are, is right? It forces you to reevaluate your your position on players, especially when it comes down to you picking between these two players in like a controlled environment. Uh, it's great. I love mocks. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, it's yeah. my nom, right? Uh, yes. All right. Well, I will be nominating Masataka Yoshida for two dollars. All right.
1: Yoshida for two. Going once. Going twice. Jesse Gets Mustache Yoshida for two.
4: I almost, I almost. That was almost my exact same nomination. That's the
2: <laughs> one I was debating going with there. All right. Well, I will gladly scoop up these uh, international free agents from the Pony Crusher Baseball. Uh, Yoshida, look, he's not the loudest profile. You know, he's not very big. He's five foot seven. But the Red Sox just paid him big time and for five over five years he's going to immediately slot into a corner outfield position probably hit at the very top of this order either hitting second or first uh he has otherworldly bat-to-ball ability uh, this is a player who regularly ran up contact rates over 90 percent in the program professional baseball uh he had he doubled up his walk to strikeout uh ratio over the last three years uh, had twice as many walks and strikeouts you know, this is a player I think is going to play very well in OBP formats in particular. Uh, it's basically Alex Verdugo with, you know, a better, with much better play discipline, right? The player who I think projection systems almost across the board are very fond of. Uh, I don't think that he's likely to hit those projections because some of them are very, very uh, bold. I'll say that much, but I do think he legit has... Upside to be like a 315 bat may not happen right away, which is I think is the concern. Right, he's almost 30 years old. Uh, Left Fenway Park nukes left-handed power, and he's a lefty. He does not have the loudest raw power in the in the first place, and he is sort of a hit over power bat in some ways. But I mean, there's a lot of value in players like Luis Arras, Stephen Kwan, Alex Verdugo. These players who give you lots of average without like loud you know, power or speed. And I think he's going to fall under the radar in first year player drafts. So he's a great value, especially for teams that are built to compete right away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I might talk about his projection a little bit on next week's episode, but I, I'm just really interested in whether we should pay any attention to the projections for a guy like Yoshida. Cause it's just, yeah you know, how, how, why should we be confident in, in these projections? I guess is, is a question I think I like that
2: those. I think all the, some of the projections that project over 15 home runs and just like, I don't think that's going to happen guys. Um I think if you're, like I said, Alex Verdugo who walks. So a lot more, right. Like that's what I'm expecting. And I think that that kind of is a good in between for a lot of these projections. And that has, that has that has value. In OBP formats, especially ones that are as deep as this hypothetical league that we're in.
4: That that's the misconception about Fenway, too. It's like it was like, Oh, look at look at Pesky's pole. it's like three hundred and fifteen. I'm like, Yeah, then it juts directly out. Yep. And the bullpen's are three eighty. Unless you got, you know, look at what did the Benintendi is squashed his power, Verdugo, same thing. Unless you're David Ortiz, Mo Vaughn, and I think Tristan Cassis can be one one of those types where you have the big, big power. It's gonna limit these guys that are like, you know. Decent power, but not great power. It's just going to limit them. That's just the, how it is at bad Way.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, back to me, to Nam. Uh, I'm going to throw out Drew Gilbert for two. I'll go third. Th-
4: ah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, going once, going twice. Eric gets Drew Gilbert for three all right tell us about drew gilbert eric
4: I'm, I'm a big fan of drew gilbert i know chris and i are both pretty big fans of him i talked about him a good a good amount on our podcast as well you know stand out at the university of tennessee and really you know i love houston they always seem to get the most out of their prospects you know he's another smaller guy you know i think he's like 5'9 180 or, or i think this is list height and weight something somewhere in that range but Another one that doesn't have any huge loud tools, but I think he's an above average hitter. I think there's, you know, at least solid, you know, average game power potentially down the road there. And, you know, similar speed. I think he could be a guy that, you know, hits for a high average, gets on base at a decent clip. And, you know, maybe he's only like a 15 to 20 homer, 10 to 15 still guy, something like that. I don't think he ever really exceeds 20 uh, in either area, but just a guy that will fly under the radar because of that. And while providing you pretty, You know, good but not great all-around five-tool production. So, again, in Houston, great lineup, great park, great player development organization. Kind of checks off all those boxes that really uh, kind of make me go a little bit higher on him than if he was, you know, in the Angels org, let's say.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Gilbert. Um, Just really fantasy-friendly profile. Yeah. And definitely echo everything you said about the Astros. Uh, All right, Chris, you're now –
3: well, at this point, I'm just gonna throw guys out for a dollar and hope they stick. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop down my board a little bit and just throw out some players that I do like down there. My personal favorite, Tyler Locklear. So I'll throw him out for a dollar.
1: All right, Locklear, going once, going twice, sold, Chris. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to leave every FYPD with Tyler
3: Locklear. It is a highly impressive power and contact combination here. And, again, another mid-major bat that I think maybe has some people concerned. But what he did at VCU, very similar to what he's done in the pros. To me, it feels a lot like Kyle Manzardo. And we've seen how Kyle Manzardo really came up. I don't think he and I'm not going to say he's going to go to those levels, but the exit velocity numbers were really good in college. They were really good in his debut as well as the contact rate. So, um, definitely all in on, on Tyler Locklear.
2: Yeah, power's crazy.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely your guy, um, <sighs> and uh, we are going to go kind of on the honor system here. So make sure you're keeping track of twenty six bucks for eight spots. Uh, Eric, it's it's your uh, nomination.
4: But my count, I have four dollars left for two players, so I can afford to go a little bit here. Let's go. Let's go, with Jace Young for two.
1: Going once going twice eric gets jace young
4: for two i was never uh, you know i've never been the biggest jace young guy i think he's he fits in like that boring mold where it's definitely a great hit tool there you know the body looks pretty maxed out i don't see a lot of projection but you know there's decent power but this landing in detroit was not the greatest landing spot for him although they are moving the fences in a little bit so hopefully that'll that off but you know, this is one of the higher floor guys in this entire draft class, you know, hit above 330 both of the last two years of Texas tech, more walks and strikeouts. showed a little bit of pop. I don't think he's gonna be much of a, a runner at all. Maybe, you know, two or three steals here and there, but maybe a guy that hits, you know, 280 with 15 to 18 home runs and probably hits near the top of the order. Cause it's, cause of the approach. I think he could be a, a decent little four category guy gets, get some good run or maybe three category, but get, get some good amount of run score totals. maybe, You know, Torque and Green are hitting behind him at that point or Colt Keith or something like that. So I think it's just, you know, he's safe and
2: he's kind of just a high floor guy. So, James, how much money do you have left? Uh, I've got eight for six spots. So your max is what? Four. Four? Mm. All right. Um, Well, I'll go with uh, Cooper. Oh, wait, no, I... I doing... We'll figure it out. I'll go okay. two. I'm going with Cooper's Jerpy for two dollars. Okay. Uh, now I know why you asked that. Um, I'll go. I'll go three. Right here four. I'll go four, just because. Uh, I was like, can, any, problem, can anybody right? bid for? I can. Okay.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah, we had a we had a jerpy bid off. Uh, but since you won, you have to talk about it. Yes.
2: All right. I think Cooper Jerpy is the, I personally think he's the best pitching prospect in this class for fantasy. Uh, And that's saying something because I, you know, I equally love, well, maybe not equally, but I really like Dylan Lesko as well. Um, I think there's a ton of upside there. I think Jerpy is a guy who will go under the radar because he does, he lacks elite velocity. He sits low 90s, but he is a unicorn. His release point is unheard of. We don't see it in the major league level at all. He releases further out horizontally and and lower vertically than any pitcher. And it causes all of his pitches to have very unique movement profiles that hitters just can't deal with. Uh, His fastball plays way up because it has a very, very low vertical approach angle. And, you know, it's, I think he's going to be a pitcher who was going to, you know kind of surprise everyone and he's going to roll over minor league hitters. I think he's going to be one of those players who just destroys minor leaguers, which means that his value in fantasy is just going to go through the roof after he destroys minor leaguers. How it ends up playing at the major league level is a bigger question, but I think he's a guy who you can chase for a short-term value boost in fantasy and then kind of flip if the you know price gets there because I think he could conceivably quickly become like a top fifty prospect because of his performance and the data and everyone's just being ooing and eyeing over his unique profile. I don't have any analysis to add, but I just want to uh, lay claim to any
4: beef jerpy team names that come up <laughs> down the road. I want to I want to claim that. I just want to get that out there.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I don't Go. think he's a four dollar player for what that's worth. But <laughs> this is what happens when in auctions. <laughs> I mean,
1: I I do. You know, one of the, the, the best areas I think or where I've had success in first-year player drafts uh, is sort of that the pitchers that kind of go in the 20 to 30 range of your first-year player drafts. And uh, Jerpy maybe goes 15 to 30 in, in first-year player drafts, something like that. But, um, you know, there, there is a nice opportunity, especially with college guys you feel good about. Um it it just seems to be a a good area to profit, uh, at least in my experience. Um okay, so back to me to nominate. Uh I will throw out uh I'll throw out Dylan Beavers for three. Um sold. Uh yeah. I don't think I, mean, I, don't I can, can be you there. I can't bid three. <laughs> I got two dollars. Oh, I All think right. my well, is three. I think I Okay. Bad auctioning <laughs> on me. Um but Beavers uh just just really like uh the landing spot. Um really like the power and speed potential uh I like like the body. Uh I know that Baltimore's already kind of getting, you know, they got their hands on him and they're trying to improve his swing decisions and so far so good and uh, just have a lot of trust in them, kind of getting the most out of out of his tools. Um, so over to Chris then.
3: All right, well, again, let's see if I can sneak somebody by for a dollar and what? Let's go with uh, Felnan Celestin.
1: For a buck going once going twice and so
3: so again i think we've talked about this like fading the international players and i think that's the smart thing to do because there's so many unknowns there's gonna be a lot of guys pop up this summer that weren't even on our radars and you could scoop them up but you know at some point like I think they do become a value like almost to the point where at least what I've seen in some FYPDs that I've had so far is like a lot of these guys have fallen to the point of being good value. So I've scooped up Selston in like the 30 to 40 range a couple times and I'd rather just bank on the upside at that point. So like, I'm, I'm just taking a shot here and hoping that the, the tools that are highly spoken of end up paying off for you know, a pretty solid switch hitter.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good uh, it's a good value proposition here for a buck. And, uh, you know, he's the nice thing about getting the guy. It hasn't always been the top guys in recent classes that have broken out. But the nice thing about if you have one of the guys that everyone's heard of before the season and then he goes and, and just tears it up, then people are just going to be like, oh, this is the next he's the next big thing um, <laughs> from the international market. And there will just be a very quick buy in when it's yeah. the top player in the class or the number two player in the class. Yeah. And if it's a guy that a lot of people hadn't heard of um, when they start producing. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Eric, to you to now, uh,
4: I will go Justin Crawford for two. All right. I think that's a sold. Um, yeah, make the case
1: for Crawford.
4: Yeah. He's basically drew Jones lights. I think there's a lot of similarities, just, you know, slightly scaled back and kind of every facet, obviously Carl Crawford's kid, which makes it really weird that I was just feels like I was just watching Carl Crawford on the Red Sox, you know, just yesterday. Now his son, someone I'm drafting or, you know, uh, in a FYPD auction here, but it obviously game changing speed, you know, see where the bat is going to be. Obviously the X factor as is for all these guys. But if he can develop even to like, you know, 50 grade hitter with, you know, a guy that can maybe approach double digit home runs which i think are definitely possibilities we'll see how the frame fills out so very kind of on a, on a skinnier side but definitely that speed if he can get on base enough that speed could be a game like we're talking easy double plus speed maybe maybe 80 grade depending if you like, like to go to 80 grade i i try not to too often but yeah this is a potential this impact guy with those legs and anything he gives you with the bat is just gravy pretty much so i'll, I'll bet on that guy I seen at least to get him into my system to see you know if the bat does progress he's gonna be a guy that probably rises up rankings a good get him out
2: it's definitely a fine upside play i think that yeah. the speed is just i mean and obviously bloodlines right so we have like his father we can comp him to very you know it's not and yeah there's there are issues that you rep mentioned with crawford that is a reason why he's falling in a lot of these uh drafts but the yep. speed is definitely worthwhile at this juncture um, so right, I'm nominating. This. Yep, and I'll nominate Cole Young for two dollars. All it. right, sold. Yep. All right, so Cole Young is a player uh, who's also probably going to be underrated. I think in first-year player drafts because he doesn't necessarily have the loudest tools, but he has one of the more advanced hit tools in this class. He came out swinging in uh, in his debut. Uh, I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit for sneaky power because there is decent underlying raw power there and his frame isn't necessarily the most physical. So I don't think that the power is going to get to like 15, even 15 to 20 home runs. But I think double digits, um, 10 to 15 home runs, I think he could get to uh, with a potential plus hit tool. And I think there's some foot speed. So I think he could be a guy who gets you double digits on bases. Again, not the loudest profile, but I think it's one of those profiles that is going to have value. And I think he is a shortstop. So I think he's got a very long leash because he's a good defender. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, not the loudest profile, but, you know, Nick York was a top 30 prospect for a lot of people just last year. And I think that, you know, there's not – not too far to envision Cole Young having that type of like loud, low, 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 a, or a ball performance.
1: Nice. Yeah. I like that. Uh, like that buy. um, and obviously, I mean the, the Mariners, I mean, it's crazy how quickly they've already got like, I don't know, close to like a top 20 system again, top. Yep. Like, Maybe like higher than back. that. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's
4: a, I was saying that the other day, it's a fun system and, it's weird how they just you know made all those trades and all of a sudden it's like you got all these fun guys. You know, most of them are in the lower levels, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun rising names again. That they always seem to have like that. You know, when you look at like if you look at like the ten biggest breakouts every year, I bet you there'll be a sailor on that list every single year. So they, they always get a guy every
2: year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think how they developed Edwin Arroyo gives a lot of like hope to players like Cole Young. Now it's you know the crazy thing is that you know Edwin Royal is younger than Cole Young. <laughs> um, that's that's a great one. Yeah, but uh it's I, I do like the org the like the situation there and uh I think he could have sneaky upside.
1: All right, so uh, I'm back on the clock. Uh I will throw out Xavier Isaac for a buck.
4: And sold. I was waiting for your Xavier Isaac. No, I'm yeah, not. I know. I know you're an Isaac guy.
1: I'm I'm definitely an Isaac guy. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's a boomer bust, uh, first base DH profile. But uh, you know, it's I think the ceiling is just really sky high uh, among that sort of subset. Obviously, he's not going to run, but I mean, it's it's it could just be exit velocity king type of stuff, and uh, he's going to have to keep his body in shape. Um. You know, it, he's kind of like physically. He's kind of um, like a Ryan Howard type almost, um, like six four, big lefty power. Um, but I mean, he you know he ha- he not only has to hit for that power, but he has to. It has to just be a, you know at least an above average hit tool, I think, um, for him to play at the bottom of the defensive spectrum. So um, just a, just an upside play, uh, Xavier Isaac for a buck. Uh, all right, Chris, you're up.
3: All right, I'm going to throw Kate Horton out for a dollar. Right, sold. I think this, this one's an interesting one. I mean, obviously he flew up boards after just really dominated the postseason last year. I mean, coming back from Tommy John, he was a uh, quarterback in high school. He played on played football at Oklahoma as well before – TJ, and then he dropped that, went strictly to baseball. And so, you know, he actually started the 2022 season as a third baseman and then uh, slowly came back, obviously, as he was rehabbing from TJ. And then he just absolutely shoved, you know, down the stretch for Oklahoma. Big fastball slider combo, mixing a curve and change as well. So I think there's a lot of upside in just those two pitches and the fastball slider. And then the fact that he has a couple more to kind of fall back on, too even if they're kind of fringy pitches at that, like he, he can rely on the fastball slider. So there's a lot of upside here. I think there's probably some risk too, as with any arm, but uh, I'll I'll bank on Horton and see what the Cubs can do with him.
1: Yeah, I really like that. Really like that buy. Um, I've got him ranked as my third best pitcher of the non-Senga guys, so yeah. I, I think that's definitely – a good
3: guess. Yeah, I, I think that there's like the jerpy Lesko, and then I would say Horton and Porter aren't fall, far behind for me. So it's a good spot. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, Eric. I think I actually have my eight players. So oh, you're you're you got a full roster. I'm, I'm full I'm full up. Right? I go with <laughs> Jesse. All right.
2: Well, I will go ahead and I don't want another pitcher right now. Uh, so I'm going with Eric Brown Jr. with the last two dollars I have. Nice uh
1: he was the highest uh highest hitter on my board so um i was gonna get to him at, at some point um but what's your uh fantasy kind of outlook on on eric brown because he's kind of a he's, he's a sort of one. a mystery man like you know people don't know where he's gonna play i, I assume he's gonna play at second base um but i, I kind of think the, the brewers could go any direction they want with him he's kind of you know he's, he's got a lot of a lot of tools, a lot of skills to work.
2: Yeah. I think the prospect team at BP thinks he can actually stick it short, um, which is saying something. Cause they're pretty like negative about players ability to stick there. Uh, but I think the great thing that he brings to the table is just, he's got in, in underlying intangible, like elite bat to ball ability. I mean, he had the highest contact rates and zone contact rates of any hitter in this draft class. And, How it holds up against better pitching is a huge question mark because he has one of the weirdest stances you'll see in all of baseball. It's like Julio Franco or Kevin Euclid's type, like, over the head. Uh, And I think the stance, he's able to repeat his swing very well, but I do think that it is very heavy hit over power. Um, And the raw power, like the data, is very positive. I think it's above the plus raw but it doesn't come out in games at all right now. Um, I think the hope it's the Brewers are able to unlock some, but even if they don't, I think he could have double-digit home runs, um, give you a great average, get a high OBP, which is the OBP league. Um, he has he had a 34% swing rate, 13% chase rate in college. I mean, it's college. It's what it is, but, I do think that he is very much a patient hitter. He'll have good OBP's. He'll have high walk rates. Uh, and he's got some speed. He's not like the fastest player, but he's a good base runner. He stole like 19 bases in his, in his debut in 27 games. Um, I think the speed will play. I think he could be like a 10 to 15 home run, 20 plus stolen base player maybe at peak um, with the with the solid average in OBP. Uh Honestly, I, as I'm talking right now, it does sound like he's a player that I should prefer to Cole Young based on how I'm describing him, um, but you know, it's a trickier profile. It's a higher risk profile in my mind than Cole Young, and he's a college player. Uh, so I like him. There's a lot of sneaky upside and un- untapped potential, but it's, it's a weird, weird profile.
1: All right, so that was uh, Jesse with Eric Brown. Um, I'm going to nominate Brandon Barriera for a buck. He's uh, he's actually my favorite prep pitcher in this class ahead of Lesko, um, but just barely. I think I've got him like two spots apart. Uh, I just think he's got – it's just kind of a dream prep uh, projection package. And – uh, you know, Velo's been ticking up over the past year I think he's grown an inch or two over the past year Um Love that he's in the same org That sort of turned Ricky Tiedemann into what he is And they're, they're you know, kind of similar pitchers at the same age uh, So, uh, you know, lottery ticket Just like the Isaac pick uh, Could easily be dropping him by midseason For any number of reasons But um like the upset
4: yeah, I do too. I, I like Brer a lot. And I have some people I've heard that like Brer even a little more, maybe he's a little more athletic than Tiedemann was at the same time, you know, uh, last year's draft. So I'm not, obviously we're not saying that he's going to be, you know, have a Ricky Tiedemann type of, a, a, you know, ascension, because that would be just crazy to say that. But yeah, I think there's a lot to like here. He's definitely a guy that could rise a good amount in drafts. So yeah. He's a guy that I've been targeting a good amount. Cause I think compared to the other arms and there's a lot of good arms in this range of, the overall range of the draft I think he's definitely one that I'll find myself getting a lot more because people seem to be going towards you know the jerpies and the Kate Hortons and rightfully so but I, I like Barrera a
2: lot yeah I don't my biggest thing with Barrera is his fastball shape's not very good but the Blue Jays have done a great job of kind of like working with fastball shape for pitchers like Barrera with like Tiedemann uh, with the Zulueta and like all these pitchers that have these kind of lively pitches that yep that are like in between they're not sinkers they're not for, pure four seamers they got this weird in-between movement that hitters usually square up they've done a good job of kind of working with them and maximizing that type of pitch and kind of have have hope that he'll be one of those guys and we'll get to see his data live and public data once he's in the fsl fsl all
1: right uh chris by my count you you still need two more guys right I think I need one, if need I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah, so
3: this is my last one.
1: So, who's it going to be?
3: Uh, Roman Anthony. Knew it. For a dollar. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> one, one of my other trademarks of this FYPD <laughs> class. Shouldn't surprise you that I've put up Locklear and, and Anthony. I don't know if anybody can beat me. So, I'll just go ahead and <laughs> <I'll> be, <laughs> I do yeah, my I'm, any more money at this I, point. I, I'm but. I'm just
4: sitting here. I'm done. So, are
2: you yeah, done, James? James?
4: Uh no. Do you have more than a dollar
1: left? I I still need three more guys. Um so Jesse, where are you at? Uh I'm done. You're done? Oh, so I just take my next three. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm gonna take uh Connor Prelip, uh Judd Fabian, and uh Signed between Ethan Salas and Jacob Mizorowski.
2: Brock Porter's still on the board too, right? I I was literally just
4: thinking that I was looking at my 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 sheet here.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take even though I have Salas ranked higher. So uh, you know, pre-lip, I just think College Arm um, really like the sort of. I think he could ascend this season. Uh, you know, once we start getting reports on how the stuff looks, especially in the spring. Um, let's see, uh, Fabian. I mean, just kind of echo a lot of what I said about Beavers. Uh, Orioles already seem to be kind of working their magic on him. Uh, and I like that he's, I like that he's right-handed, um, because I think with his defense. It could. I think it's just like an easy path to everyday playing time if you can just kind of clear a, a offensive bar, um, power and speed. And then uh, Mizorowski, just another uh, lottery ticket, big-time stuff. I think he's a little closer than Brock Porter maybe. Um, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, Brock Porter didn't go in this. Uh, Ethan solace didn't go. Jacob Berry didn't go. Um, any other big names that? We should mention
4: um the other the other kind of name those uh two names that were fairly high on my list both top 25 outside of porter were uh jordan beck outfielder went to colorado and brock jones went to tampa bay those are the other two that i had in my top 25 that didn't go
2: then there's like kumar rocker who i think everyone's down on anyway um I think uh, a player who's interesting, uh, who I wouldn't necessarily be taking in this anyway, would be Shintaro Fujinami. If he ends up like having command with the athletics, like, he could be a fun player, especially like for players, teams that are looking to win now. Um, but yeah, I really like the Anthony pick. I knew Chris would take him. <laughs> uh, I, I, Chris, tell us briefly what you like about Anthony.
3: Well, oh, he's got excellent power for one. I think he's he's shown plus power already, potential for more. And I think the speed aspect's really what's underrated about him. I mean, he was clocked as 6'5", 260. Like, that's pretty darn fast. And I don't know if all this translates, if he steals many bases or not. That's still to be seen. He made excellent zone contact in both, in both leagues he played in uh, last year. So just across the board, I think he's – semi well rounded and a bit underrated I think the contact skills are underrated and I think the powers have been underrated too and some sneaky speed
1: how did uh, how did you guys think this this kind of went like did you when you kind of look at the eight guys you ended up with um, like it, you know I had some regrets as it was happening but I kind of happy with the way things turned out at the I'm, end. I'm
4: very happy with with mine personally all, all eight of my guys were in my top 17 overall. I, so I kind of was thinking I was like I'll let the big names go, and then I'll kind of tackle like that you know six to seventeen range or so and see how many guys I can get there. This is really a lot of fun. I, I would love to see how this would go on like a larger scale of you know, like a fifteen plus teamer with you know hundred you know whatever dollar amounts. I, I would love to see how this could play out. And you know, Jesse, you get that going, Jesse, because I don't see this more plays out it. with more than, <laughs> more than four people and more than twenty five dollars. But this so was a lot, this was a lot of fun.
1: I quick question uh to the room, I guess. Like if if this were a twenty team dynasty league and let's say everyone had a hundred dollars to spend, uh do you think Drew Jones would go for would multiple people want to spend their max bid on Drew Jones? Would be my question, I guess.
2: I think so. Yeah. I think that's the concern that you would have with like this type of format over a big league, is that there will be like a team who just kind of is like, I'm just going to go all in on one of these players and I'm I'm good.
1: <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. Like I think it, the deeper the league, the more – because with us just doing four people, I think it it wouldn't have made any sense for any of these guys to go for a max bid. But mm-hmm. uh, in a 20-team league, I'd rather have Drew Jones and however many dollar guys than try to um,
2: maneuver with
1: 19 other managers in, in an auction right
2: yeah yeah i think that that the idea i would have for this is that there would have to be like a minimum bid um per draft position so uh that way that it's just not possible to uh go necessarily all out. i'm working on it it's it's kind of complicated because i'm trying to avoid situations like that
1: well i look forward to following that um why don't we uh, go around the room quick and and you can all tell everyone where to find you. Uh, we'll start with you, Jesse. Uh,
2: you can find me at baseball prospectus. We're in the middle of our positional series. We're doing first base this week. We've already done catchers. We've done our first year player draft rankings up through 100 uh, with write ups for mo- for everyone in the top 50 and for several after. And, uh, I'm putting a lot of words on paper <laughs> uh, for this positional series. So there's a lot of good content. And obviously, everyone else at BP does good stuff. We have a lot of good fantasy and real life contact. Positional lists are still coming out. And I'm putting the fantasy takes in for each of those. Uh, and the 101, the real life 101 came out last week. And our dynasty 101 will be coming out shortly as well. Awesome.
1: Uh, definitely follow Jesse. Definitely support Baseball America. Uh...
2: Eric, Baseball, per- baseball Perspectives. Baseball but, pers- hey, support Baseball <laughs> America too, guys. They're yeah. great too. Well, support <laughs> all the baseball sites. It's um, late. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's late for uh, James. <laughs> def- it's late for James. It's not late for you. Uh, def- definitely support Baseball Perspectives. Uh, all right, Eric, uh, why don't you let people know where they can follow you.
4: Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on, James. This was a really fun exercise. It was really eye-opening. But, uh, hey, you can find me on Twitter at EricRoss04, written work at HQ. FTn fantasy and obviously on my patreon as well and of course the toolshed podcast with mr. Chris Clegg there that we do we're doing at least two episodes a week right now sometimes three a lot of we just finished our dynasty and prospect rankings kind of positional series well so as a lot of fun episodes there and got a lot of other fun stuff come coming up for the next couple of months as well so check that out too
1: awesome and Chris why don't you let people know where they can find you so on Twitter at Roto Clegg, mention the podcast,
3: the Toolshed Pod. Catch us there, um, over at Pitcherlist, doing dynasty work there. So we got a team, good team doing stuff and doing team by team rankings this month, and got a lot of good stuff going on. And then uh, over on my Substack, the Dynasty Dugout, so a lot of good content there. If you want to check that out.
1: Awesome. Well, I really want to thank all three of you for joining me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, really appreciate your time and, and definitely support everything Jesse and, and Eric and Chris are doing. Uh, this was this was a blast. Uh, good luck with with all your drafts and stuff, guys. And uh, I'll Likewise. be back next. I'll be back next week with uh, some redraft talk. All
2: right.